Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Wendy, 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 Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year, Mike. How are you feeling about 2018 so far? I'm feeling strong about 2018. Yeah? I am. I'm, I'm super excited about it, and I think we're going to have our best year yet. I'm very excited, but I always am at the New Year. I love the fresh start, and I got to say, the first day of the month, the first day of the year, and they both land on a Monday. That is just, that's an OCD dream come true. Right. For me. <laughs> right there so. you go. You're, the very <laughs> calendars are very easy. For I was really excited about that. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to big things this year. I'm excited about the synergy of everything happening today with this particular episode. So for the first episode of the year, uh, we're, we're once again talking about the Chicago Mothman. And we have covered this topic more than almost any other topic within, right. you know, the year. So uh, it's nice to have a little bit of, I don't want to say closure, but, you know, we're really getting some answers, I think. Absolutely. So this is kind of, I think this is our closing chapter on the Chicago Mothman for a while, at least until something new and interesting happens. Maybe a new break in the case. Yeah. And I got to confess, I'm over it. I'm over the Chicago Mothman. <laughs> After visiting Point Pleasant and, you know, really diving into the actual uh, the Point Pleasant Mothman, this Chicago one... It's it's a lot ado. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing, and and that's why we get into it today. We're talking about the different, uh, the sightings, the research into it, and it's also it's our paranormal New Year's resolution for higher standards of research. Yes, in 2018, and so we talk about that in the episode. But also the synergy is that uh, we are going to be in Chicago on Friday, January 5th. Number Ooh. one, we're going to be playing an uncommon ground. Uh, the yeah. Edgewater, Edgewater location, West Devon Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. 8 p.m. Central Time, of course. <laughs> 8 p.m. We will be hosting a live Mothman sighting. Mothman <laughs> said he's going to be at the Sunspot Show at the Uncommon Ground in Devon, uh, West Devon Avenue. He might be on the rooftop farm getting the, a snack up there. It is the home of the first certified <laughs> organic rooftop farm in the U.S. So Mothman's flying in. He's going to grab some beets and vegetables and he's going to fly away. And but he's going to come to the show. We're having a live Mothman sighting, Uncommon Ground Sunspot Acoustic Show, uh, this Friday night, eight p.m. That's right. At and then and then we're going to go straight from there to the heart of Chicago downtown, where we're going to be at the WGN, the Tribune Tower. Yes, and we're going to yeah. be live on the air with Patty Vasquez, who has a great show. Um, evenings. 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. You night owls like me. That's right. If you are a wear owl. Like the Chicago Mothman, then you might be interested in hanging out with us late night on WGN. Yes, and Patty is great. She's hilarious. She's a comedian, and if you haven't uh, seen or heard her, you'll definitely enjoy the show. And we're going to play a few songs, too. That's right. So we play music at the Uncommon Ground Coffee House. They got Green Star Brewing there, so they got local beer also at the uh, Uncommon Grounds. We can't forget. Yeah. So we're going to be drinking beer, hanging out with the Mothman. And going to WGN. And if you're not in Chicago, you can still listen to the WGN interview because that'll be streaming at WGNRadio.com. 
That's right. And it's available. I mean, you can get WGN as far north as north of Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. You can get it into Michigan. You can get it into Indiana. Like it's it's like the biggest AM radio station. What's there. the station? 720 AM. Okay. So tune your dials to 720 AM, Midwesterners. And I'm excited because I have not been in the WGN studios since my mother won a trip to the Academy Awards <laughs> there That's in awesome. a live game show in 1981. <laughs> Very exciting. We'll have she to see a, how it's changed since then, Mike. You have, to, you have to see how it's changed. And before we go into the thing, I just tell one story about that. So uh, they're doing the question, and one of the questions, getting near the end of the quiz show part of it. Okay, and so we're all in the studio, except we're behind the glass, and my mom and the host and <laughs> her opponent are all, you know, in the studio. She got the oh, headphones man. on and the microphone, and like the second or third to last question is, um. The, the host goes, what is this sound? And it goes, awesome. <laughs> and my sister and I are freaking out. We're practically banging on the glass. And we're thinking, yeah. Darth Vader, Darth Vader, Darth Vader. And um, the other lady's like, I don't know. Is it some kind of disco dance? <laughs> she straight up said that, which is the most 1981 thing to say possibly. Some kind of disco oh dance. Gosh. And that was wrong. And my mother's like, oh, is it from Close Encounters of the Third oh, no. Kind? So at least she was in the in the ballpark, but obviously they both got it wrong. And uh, the tiebreaker? You know, I don't remember. Oh, Mike, you're That's, killing us. All I remember is the did Darth she Vader win, breathing. She did win. My oh, mother did you. win. And then they got to go to the Academy Awards. They sat in front of Lloyd Bridges, Jeff oh, Bridges and Bo Bridges' dad. And <laughs> so uh, cool. they got to stay at the Bonaventure Hotel, which is such a beautiful if you ever seen the show, It's a Living, it's the hotel they show on the outside. Anyway, Fantastic. here nor there, we'll, we don't have to talk about Los no. Angeles in the 1980s. We will be talking about Chicago and the Mothman in this episode. It's awesome. We have really stellar guests from the director of Illinois Mutual F- UFO Network, Tobias Whalen from Singular 40, and he's been following this uh, for months. Uh, Madeline Kate from Measuring the Circle, another Chicagoan. And then, of course, my sister, Allison Jornlin, who owns the YouTube channel Mothman and has been going to almost every single location or every reported location of Mothman sightings, even in the cold and stuff. And so you're going to hear a lot more about it right now. Let's go to the panel. The dark-winged humanoid Mothman is back with 60-some sightings dating back to 2011, most of them occurring this year in Chicagoland, beginning in February 2017, and the last sighting being reported recently as December 7th, a day that will truly live in infamy. We originally reported on the recent flap in episode 159 in the late summer, but now the Chicago Mothman sightings are becoming more and more controversial by the day. We just had Lauren Coleman on talking about it a few weeks ago. There's been books released, and it just was the 50th anniversary of the original Mothman, the OM in uh, West Virginia, just coming up in December, the collapse of the bridge. So today we're going to get an update on the situation. We're going to be talking about it. Allison, my sister is here from MilwaukeeGhost.com. Tobias Whalen of the Singular Fortean blog. Madeline Kate from the Measuring the Circle video podcast. And Sam Maranto, the Illinois director for the Mutual UFO Network. Welcome, Illinoisans. We will try not to hold that against you. And thank you for coming together to shed some light on the current Chicago Mothman controversy. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go in order. I will start Tobias, then Madeline, and then Sam. And Allison, I'm going to start out with you because uh, you just got featured 
on Mysterious Universe yesterday made me jealous. And then I saw it on the Coast to Coast AM yeah. RSS feed. And it said like, Mothman investigator with questions. And I'm like, oh, this might be an interesting article. <laughs> and then I'm like, holy crap, that's my sister. Okay. So you've been getting yourself into trouble just like you did back in high school, except today, <laughs> instead of cutting class and drinking with your friend Bill, you're oh, getting another kind of trouble. So what, so what have you been up to, Alice? Okay, well, I didn't, didn't mean to get in trouble. Really, I didn't. Um, but I asked questions, and some of those questions weren't popular. Uh, so certainly uh, what I did is I, I just thought there's nothing like boots on the ground to really get in there and see if you can sep- separate some fact from fiction. So when all these Mothman um, occurrences came to light, I was like, hey, that's in Chicagoland. That's not that's not too far. I mean, if I'm a Freudian investigator, I should be there. This seems major. So that's what I intended to do. Just go to all the sites and then document the sighting locations for YouTube and see what I could learn by being on scene and following in the footsteps of the witnesses. And uh, so uh, originally, you know, when, when we did our podcast in, in late summer, you know, I put that together with um, Lon from the Phantom and Monsters blog and uh, Lon Strickler and uh, also um, Manuel Navarrete of the UFO Clearinghouse. And we also have uh, Tobias Whalen on again um, from Singular Fortian. So, you know, I really, Mike, I, you know, I really wanted to find a monster. That's what I'm in this for. That's the whole point. I wanted to find a winged human. Right. Like, who does not right. want to see that? I'm not in this to really cause trouble. Um, but so what I unfortunately found, though, as I was going to the locations, is m- many of the reports did not seem plausible, either because the locations are just crazy busy at all times of night, you're being trampled by people. And my question there is, why haven't more people right. seen it and reported it? You know, why isn't there more general knowledge? Uh, then also, when I started getting into the nitty gritty of some of the locations, uh, some of the things that were said in the accounts didn't quite match up. Uh, like one, uh, the Miller Park sighting. Uh, when I finally no, that's found Miller, that's Miller Park in Chicago. That's yeah, not Miller, Miller Park, Park in Chicago. In <laughs> yeah, it's not okay. Miller Park in Let's Milwaukee. Get... Yeah, Miller Park in Chicago is a tiny little speck between two buildings. It's a little kiddie park uh, for toddlers, really. And uh, so I finally found it after driving around and around. And that ca- that account, which is uh, from 2011, talked about the witness living in a, a fifth-story building when the, she saw the Mothman from her window. And there were no fifth-story buildings. And believe me, trying to find that in Miller Park, <laughs> I was everywhere and i'm like where are the fifth where are these five-story buildings uh they got up to three-story and then that was it and then also in miller park uh her boyfriend also allegedly saw the creature standing on top of a basketball hoop and there is no basketball hoop there it's a kitty park it's for toddlers you know it's all slides and and uh and swings, and they're really, you know, that plastic kind for younger children. Uh, and there really isn't room either for like a whole basketball court. So I find it implausible that there ever was a basketball 
hoop there because of the size. Also, the thing is, if you are playing against a team of winged humanoids basketball, that is the most <laughs> unfair thing because, like, Jordan could Absolutely. dunk, right? Like, his vertical was crazy. But imagine the vertical if you got freaking wings. Yeah. And then there were other things, too, that, that came out for one of the sightings. There was supposed to be a police report, and no one um, in the uh, Chicago uh Phantom Task Force, which is just a Facebook messenger group, could help me when I asked. I'm like, hey, well, that's that should be public information. Well, who asked for it? Where can I find more information? And I asked repeatedly and everybody just ignored that. Um, so I had to go through my own sources to find there is no such police report. And your own, so, wait, your own sources. I mean, uh, we talked to a private investigator. Yeah. Like to find uh, a private investigator, a police report. We who, talked to who, Magnum PI yeah. himself. <laughs> well, no, but he, wasn't, but but he, he knows. didn't have a mustache, but he's got a beard, long hair. <laughs> yeah, he he does know uh, people uh, in the CPD, so that that's where we were able to get the information. But you know, sadly, when I tracked down the details, things started to unravel, and I wasn't quiet about it. And subsequently, I've I've. Uh, run afoul of Lon uh, Strickler of the Phantom Monsters blog and of Manuel Navarrete. And they've said some rather inflammatory things um, about me and untrue things. So I'm not going to go into the detail, but suffice it to say that um, that in some posts they say that I got some type of sensitive information from my access to this uh, Facebook Messenger group and I released it without permission. And then other times they say I was never privy to such information. So which is it? So I think that's the, you know, I could go into all the details, but I just want to state that as a detail that if anybody's wondering, um, you know, who is telling the truth here, you know, look at if things go back and forth. Uh, I think, you know, if you, you see that that someone is accusing you of someone, something and then they reverse and they go back and accuse you of something else. I think that becomes clear that uh, who who is who is playing dirty pool here. <laughs> um, but anyway, just I, I, I think this whole thing has has made me uh, think about the the paranormal research in a different way and hope for something better, uh, hope for uh, a higher standard. And so I hope that's what we can talk about today. You know, problems we encountered, but ways we can go about uh, being better in the new year, our new year's resolution for uh, paranormal investigation. Well, I think what's important to talk about today is that number one, yes, how can we do better research? How can we make things more believable? How can we convince the straights uh, that what we're saying, you know, has some kind of import to it? And another thing is, I mean, this was the biggest Midwest paranormal story of the entire year. You know, the, there's this idea that we're being attacked by like the Hawkmen from Flash Gordon are coming on. They're coming into Chicago. And so what's going on? So, all right. Now, Tobias, how'd you get involved with the Mothman? Like you did say, you did say earlier that you were a, a, a Chicago sports fan, uh, but you live in Madison. How did you get pulled into this, this mad flapping of wings? Well, you know, <clears throat> I had seen the, um, the initial reports uh, in uh, mid-April. And, you know, I started covering it for our website in early May. 
Uh, and, you know, for, for there, uh, from there, as reports continued to come out, um, I continued, you know, to write articles about them uh, just to generally inform our readers. And, uh, you know, I, I started to see that the reports, you know, they, they were coming into MUFON. Um, you know, traditionally, my experience with MUFON is, is that they're not going to share um, a whole lot of information. So I contacted the other sources. Um, uh, I, uh, I interviewed uh, Lon Strickler in, I believe, June of that year. And then I interviewed uh, Manuel Navarrete in, in July of 2000, uh, 2017. And one thing I would like to mention, um, just to say, in that July interview, I did ask him uh, specifically if anyone had requested um, the police report from that Auburn uh, Gresham uh, sighting. And, and he did say that he had um, attempted to request uh, request one using FOIA and um, was told that no such police report um, existed. So, you know, it, it had seemed, you know, to be common knowledge, um, certainly by the time you know, anybody started arguing over anything that, that that police report just didn't exist. And, and everybody knew that it didn't exist. And, you know, we were sort of, uh, going back and forth as, as to why, you know, um, certainly when things like that happen, um, there are a lot of people that love to immediately jump to the conspiratorial sort of theories. I am not one of those people, but, um, no, uh, to to my knowledge, it was it was it was pretty commonly understood that that police report just did not exist as far as as anybody knew. Um, in any case, you know, since then I've been uh, been doing my best to to keep up with the the story, try to cover it from every um, available angle as far as that goes. Um, you know, leading up to today, things have certainly quieted down um, quite a bit since October, but uh, you know, what with um, you know, the, the new book releases by Lauren Coleman and, and Lon Strickler, there, there certainly still seems to be plenty to talk about. There certainly does. And um, the thing about things have slowed down in October because Mothman don't do cold. Yeah. And so he's already flown, oh, he or she the, has already flown south for the winter. Did you just now, assume the gender? <laughs> you know, that's right. That's right. You well, can't Madeline, assume the gender. You have, that have something <laughs> to add. That, that was me stepping right into my privilege. So, Madeline, how'd you get involved in um, I started looking into the sightings about the same time as you, Tobias. Um, I, you know, they were all over Facebook and social media, uh, late April. And, um, so I live not too far from Chicago. I live in the Northwest suburbs. So I knew it was basically in my backyard. I had to go check it out. So in May and also in June, um, I went one, I went twice. I went to the Oz Park and Lincoln Park sightings and just wanted to also get some boots on the ground and kind of see what I could see and see if the reports matched the location. Um, and I also went to Navy Pier and did some investigation there. Um, right away, I, I had some problems because I noticed that all of the reports were basically funneling in through through one source blog. Um, so that raised a lot of questions for me. Um, I do have a video podcast and I would, excuse me, I was able to interview Lon last month and I asked him um, some questions, you know, that, that are going to be brought up in, in this podcast here. 
And one in particular thing that he said to me that I thought was very interesting was that he said that Mothman is going to be taking a break this winter. Mothman, I guess, doesn't like the cold. Uh, I don't know if I had wings. What I say? If I had I if I had fifteen foot wings, I would be flying to Florida as well. Um, so I thought that was strange, and I asked him, you know, what what his reasoning was for saying a statement like that, and he said that. In, you know, the wintertime, there's not going to be as many people outside, so there won't be as many sightings. And I disagree with that statement. Um, Obviously, tourism is going to slow down in the city. People aren't out as much, but the city is still going to have people walking to work, commuting every day. And there's still many opportunities if there is a creature for it to be sighted there. So, yeah, I've kind of had a lot of problems along the way. (laughs) Sure. Well, I understand that. Now, Sam, we were talking about, uh, Tobias mentioned his experiences with MUFON before, and uh, you are the director of the Illinois Mutual UFO Network. Yeah. And so did you guys, you know, when did you guys start receiving uh, reports of the the Mothman? Here's the first report. And this is, uh, again, it's incorrect in the book. I'm going through, (laughs) it's labor intensive, the errors in this the book as far as documentation the facts uh october 13th is of 2011 is when the first report came in and that's report number gotta take off my glasses three two five six seven that one came in at 851 we have the ip address and everything and the gentleman did not want to be anonymous it's a photograph. It isn't a witness report. It's, uh, it's what the person seen in the photograph he took on August 22nd of 2011, 50 some days earlier. That came in October the 13th, the same day, strangely enough, as the Miller Park report came in, which came in later in the day. I have all the documentation on the, from the web, everything independently. That came in later in the afternoon, and it was posted to UFO Clearinghouse and also uh, Lawn Site, which is um, Phantoms and Monsters. This was the first report. Real, real quick, Sam, when you say things, r- reports come in, mm-hmm. like, set that up for me. Like, how does a report happen? Like, so somebody's like, holy crap, I just saw a winged <laughs> humanoid. These what are a lot do, of, like, these, what do you these do next? Go, they go online, they put it in, and, and the bottom line, somebody is assigned to handle CMS reports. They're volunteers to handle it. These come in, they come funneled in as, uh, uh, you know, Tobias understands how this goes. It comes in, and people working the CMS uh, are handling them, and they they fill it out. They, they, they look to see where it's going to go, what state, to see uh, if it should be, uh, you know, if it's just uh, uh, nasty narrations in there, a lot of swearing, then they'll tear it apart if it has to be. But then it goes to the state director. Then the state director has to review it. I, I reviewed it, and it sure looked like a bat to me or some sort of something. And, and uh, the guy's narrative is, is just saying that, hey, I went there to take a picture of the statue with the thumb sticking out that looks like a, a sazich uh, of an Ind- the guy standing there, the, the Native American. And this whole thing is really just a, a, I think that was apropos because it's a matter of perspective. And from that perspective, and we have, we pulled, I have the original uh uh, the original photo, which has all the metadata, the um, um, the FX, you know, the um, 
the the data in there that we need. We pulled it. It's legit. It, it wasn't manipulated. And we know the exact GPS spot that person took that picture looking northeast at 210 in some seconds um, in the afternoon. We know the weather data at that time, not an average weather data throughout the course of the day, which according to Lon was four point something and therefore could not support a kite. Well, we know at that point it was 5.8 and the type of kite that we know because the manufacturer actually verified it and gave us the model. Not me. They did. A, you know, a mother knows its baby. And uh, they had one of the uh, old-time technicians that knows these products inside out. It was an old kite. It's an old kite. It's a battered-up kite, but it's a kite nonetheless. Uh, you'll be seeing tons of information on that, and uh, we have that information. The bottom line, that's what it was and nothing more. Well, it took on a myth of its own, a life of its own. The minute that Miller report, that Miller Park report came in and Miller Park report. The important thing is, as Ellison mentioned, and I looked and I know the area, I've, I've seen it, I've been there. Uh, the bottom line, there are no five story buildings in that vicinity. That was the first thing, it was a giveaway. Plus, the narrative we've had the narratives analyzed by professional or experts in, in this type of uh, analyst, uh, analysis. And, and this is also very interesting. The, the other thing is the, the conflicting data when you have stuff like uh, um, the moon, for instance, Madeline remembers this, I, the moon, uh, you know, a nearly, what was it, a nearly full moon when, when it, was, uh, it was, it was just a little sliver, it was a waxing moon, and it wasn't even visible at that point. And it was raining out at that time. We don't even hear anything about that. And there's a lot of conflicting data that just is historically and emphatically wrong, and yet, nobody questions that. So how many reports have you gotten, Sam? Okay, now that's 2000, 2011. And, of course, we end up with the, with the gentleman looking, looking at this, this winged being, looking like a sugar glider, right? The guy from Tasmania. What's Tasmania? Australia. What's the other name for Australia? Oz. Fantasy and illusion. Okay? It's becoming self-explanatory. Now the next thing is, in 2000. All of a sudden, we get a report on the, um, uh, what was it? The 18th, we get a report. In fact, we had three within a relatively short period of time. And the, the people are looking at the dates of the supposed event taking place instead of the date when we actually received the information and when it was posted, where we know for a fact it took place, where we got the information. And, and this is the problem. They're not looking at that information. It came in on the 18th and supposedly happened when? On the 16th. What is that? That is um, Easter Sunday, the resurrection. Well, what happened on the 10th? The 10th, we have a sighting in Oz Park. Oz returns. Here we have Oz Park. We have this sighting at Oz Park, correct? And that came in on the 10th and was the 7th, and that went to whom? Uh, went to uh, a clearinghouse. Of the reports that we had, that one was the first one was Pilsen neighborhood. And the next one was a gentleman seen an owl. The next one was Humboldt Park. Okay. Humboldt Park. And that uh, gentleman seen a large owl too. The third one was on the boat. Uh, April the 15th. That came in on the 20th. And 
the 20th, it came in, and now they're saying it's the 15th. The one from, and by the way, uh, Tobias, you have the date wrong. It's the 15th for the boat, the 16th at 2 o'clock in the morning for the Pilsen District, and then 10-something in the evening for Humboldt Park, okay? And that information is correct. Now, what we learned, and well, we learned that the uh, IP addresses from the first and the last of those first three came from the same location. An IP address is a, a, a location. It's assigned to a device, be a router or whatever. And it's not some random absurdity. It, it, it's random if you're going on the internet and you're out with a device that doesn't connect to it. So that is just too odd. That is something that is too peculiar right off the bat. But I didn't even want that information. I told them they stated that that information was there. I says, I, I didn't want it. I needed a second layer of evaluation to see what is wrong. So what I did was look at commonalities, and I think that's very important. Well, I think what you're, what you're talking about here, Sam, it's, it's important to discuss is that, number one, you're seeing a pattern emerge. And it, if you look at psychologically, sometimes the pattern is almost like you can see a pattern of fictional things coming in. And number two, you're seeing a pattern of the same IP address, which means it's the same computer or the same house that's sending in the report. So if two different people, I mean, they could be brother and sister. Two out of three. Two out of the first three. Now out of the next four, out of the next four, three out of the next four. Well, holy moly, you can't even hit the lottery like that. I mean, I, I mean, right. the so numbers. That, I mean, that it's, basically means it's it's absurd. It's the same house, and the person that the person doesn't understand that you need to, if you're going to perform a hoax, what you need to do is you need to get on a VPN or you need to spoof different IP addresses when you're going to send it in. Otherwise, it's it's going to come from the same house. So, in your home, if you're using the Wi-Fi, each laptop, each computer, your Apple TV or your Roku, your phone, everything attached to that Wi-Fi is going to come from the same IP address. Correct. Because the IP address is the outward-facing address to the to the world, yep. so your router has the address, and then it it subnets you know sure. different IPs there, so it can put stuff to your phone, to your computer, to your TV, blah blah blah. But the thing is, same IP address means the same physical location, means the same Wi-Fi network. Correct. And that's the first thing. So that when we talk about how research is important, that's the first level. Okay, so you have to go through that first level like a back room. That's how when you're doing cyber research. Now we have to think differently in days before and sit in front of a, a witness. There is no witness. What we have is a submitter. We don't have a witness. We have a submitter. But we do have witnesses. Oh, no. In certain only areas, in, like so, we only have witnesses when you have an actual human being. A witness has to be a human being, and they have to be accountable for an event or some form of information. Now, if they're making it up, it's a delusion. There doesn't count. Do you see what I'm so saying? So that's why we we're going to go to Tobias, who has done. Uh, you've interviewed a couple of people who can actually witness yes. this, right? And so, so Tobias, you've talked to some an people entirely different scenario. Who, oh, who sure, have. yeah, definitely. I want to hear about that and go into like because when somebody gets like, I can just send something in and say, I saw Bigfoot on Lake Mendota. And I did see right. Bigfoot on Lake... Actually, there is a sighting of Bigfoot on Lake Mendota. And it was just by like two stone college kids who were like, dude, we saw Bigfoot on Lake Mendota. I went there. I don't know how they would... I went to the exact site they reported it. We made a little video of it. I don't know how they could have done it. But um, the thing is, it's anonymous. It just comes from an IP address. It can be anything. So that's what I want to get into. We, we were doing a better job of research. So Tobias 
let's give an example of how you did research when somebody saw something unusual in beautiful, scenic Rockford, Illinois. Oh, sure. Well, this was, uh, this was a, a particularly entertaining um, event to me. Now, uh, I had been uh, contacted by a, a young man um, who did agree to let me use his, uh, his first name. If you'll bear with me, I'll go to my John Smith contacted <laughs> Yeah, right. Me. It was, uh, let's see here. I believe his first name was Dalton. And uh, what he had said was... I already don't believe his name. Okay, yep, here we go. So, yeah, so, so <laughs> uh, Dalton... Let's see, a now, superhero of Dalton. Yeah, I, I think Dalton, wasn't he... Wasn't that Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse? Oh, yeah. Roadhouse. Yeah, Roadhouse, exactly. <laughs> All right, um, so it, <laughs> anyway, so uh, uh, Dalton had, had contacted me um, about his... Um, experience, which uh, actually had taken place outside of Rockford. Now, I didn't include the um, specific uh, location uh, uh, data in the article that, that, that I had, had written. I didn't find it particularly relevant um, to his story. I was able to confirm all of it, all of the places that he said um, uh, that, 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 he, that he had used uh, geographically um, for context all exist exactly where he said they do. Um, and so, you know, he was uh, actually several miles outside of, of Rockford, according to his story, uh, between uh, Belvedere and New Milford. And there's a road out there called Bloods Point Road. Um, and, and this is surrounded, you know, this is sort of, a, a, there's a, a forest preserve, actually several forest preserves at one end of this road. And then, you know, the, the, the rest is sort of farmland. Now, Tobias, re- rewind really quick and tell us how you got this particular did the person contact you? Did the person contact Singular Fordian and say, yeah, actually, I um, saw something? If, if memory serves, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty active in, in outreach in general. And uh, I, I get a lot of people talking to me that way. And I, I believe specifically this is somebody I met through the Humanoid Encounters subreddit on Reddit. Okay. Um, you know, and, and if, if I just see a, a report on Reddit, you know, I mean, come on, it's, it's, it's Reddit. That's, that's nothing. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I did have the opportunity, um, obviously, to, to interview him over the phone. So that gave it a, a, a little more credence. But yeah, this was through social media outreach. That's, that's how I, I, I okay, met this Okay, so you kid. called Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse, and then you <laughs> interviewed him. And, you, and what did he describe? Like, I think is like, so what did he describe in like a, you know, the, the elevator pitch, what he described? Sure. Um, so uh, basically, uh, he's, he's out cruising with his, his buddy Nick. Um, you know, it's, it's a smaller farming community. This is what kids do. I kind of grew up in one myself, so I get it. Uh, they're out cruising in, in his 97 Firebird. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's harvest time, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, late summer. And, um, you know, as, as they're cruising around, uh, you know, they, uh, they notice the uh, cornfield to their right. Um, you know, the, 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 the corn is swaying like something's moving through it, right? So he slows down thinking that, you know, a deer or something is about to jump out in front of him, which, you know, is constant concern um, when you're driving around in, in, in the country in Wisconsin or Illinois. And, uh, you know, so he, he slows down to a crawl. And he uh, uh, said that what, uh, what, what, what had then happened was this, this thing, you know, this, this roughly anthropomorphic, you know, uh, uh, being with large wings, um, which was completely pitch black, by the way, uh, I asked him specifically, he didn't say any, any, any glowing red eyes, none of that. He said it, it, it appeared, you know, almost like it was covered in tar. It was so dark. 
And, you know, he described uh, how this thing sort of zigzagged in front of him a few times and then shot straight up into the air. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's the encounter as, as, uh, as he described it. Now, uh, you know, he said the whole thing lasted 15 to 20 seconds, you know, witnesses, um, they love to exaggerate, you know, uh, well, I shouldn't say exaggerate that, that, that makes it sound, you know, contrived. I, I, I think that they have a tendency to overestimate the amount of time that an actual experience, you know, takes when they say 15 to 20 seconds, the whole thing was probably done in, in, in under five, you know? So all we can say for certain, um, if you believe the, the witness's testimony and, and I don't have any reason not to, is that something big with wings, you know, flew out, sort of jumped out of the, the cornfield, flew in front of him real quick and then shot off, you know? And, and it was very telling to me actually that this particular experience, as so many of them do, when all the sighting involves is a large winged being that isn't seen very well, took place near a whole bunch of forest preserves. Well, who loves forest preserves? Large birds. Um, you know, I, I, there's been so many sightings so far where all people see is, you know, a, 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 a large winged, you know, being. And, you know, like... I. When I see, you know, a large winged being in the sky and it's between, you know, May and, and August, I think crane, you know, I, I don't hear hoofbeats and think unicorn necessarily. I tend to go with horse. So, you know, I mean, you, you, you can take it for, for what it is. And in speaking to him specifically, he did, you know, emphasize as witnesses often do that, you know, he didn't think it was a bird. You know, he was he was sure in his mind's eye this this thing looked more humanoid than 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 that, and I, it, it just sort of is what it is at 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 that point. You know, you can you can believe the the witness, um, and 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 think that he's describing it at, uh, sort of exactly as it occurred, or you can you know um, try to apply you know a, a little more rationality and say, well, hey, you know, like. What maybe it was a winged monster. I, I don't know that it wasn't, but could have been a huge bird. Sure. So, but uh, yeah, I mean uh, that was the, the the case that I really got to get most in depth with. So you called him, you interviewed him, and then you checked the locations of the places. Did you check out his sweet ride? Did he like send you like a picture of his Firebird? Or I wish, he... dude. It it was a '97 Firebird T top. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, that that would have been great. Yes. And you see, that kind of thing adds credibility to me, because, and I'll tell you why. Because um, the kind of nerd who would make up a hoax like this would not be driving a 97 Firebird T-top. <laughs> He'd be driving right, like right. a Chevy Cavalier oh, hey, 94. Yeah. But, you know, it's important thing, like, like the guy's like, okay, you can name Dalton. Uh, he's a Redditor. You can, you can find his information. Um, he's, a, he's an online persona. He has a persona that you can find. You've got his phone number, Tobias, uh, so you can call him for a ride in his T-Bird whenever you like. Now, we were, we were joking before, you know, <laughs> Sam was jokingly calling you a weirdo, Madeline, before. <laughs> and you know we we always joke about we always joke about being weirdos and stuff like that but oh i do it all the time but madeline when i think of, when i think about this when i think of, you know so you come out and say like you have a podcast you know it, it's it's like coming out of the closet and being like yes i i'm really into this stuff do you think there's a certain kind of danger not necessarily a danger but when you put yourself publicly <laughs> that you're into this kind of thing um, that's absolutely true do you think though that I, can maybe, I can vouch uh, for it when you don't have an 
anonymity to hide behind uh, that it changes the stuff you're willing to admit? No, I don't think so. I think that all my family members, they were praying me, praying for me before and they're still praying for me now. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, uh, I've always had transparency and, and liked talking about these, these strange things, you know, ever since I was a little kid. So I guess that's the short answer. <laughs> but what I was thinking here though, so, you know, as someone else who investigates this kind of thing, if you get a report or somebody says like they saw something weird and comes to you about it, um, how do you go about your investigation or your discussion in the way you get the stuff for your podcast? What are the next steps that you take to get to the, the heart of the matter? Well, I think it's important to not immediately just discredit. If they just have a story, I think that sharing stories are great. I think that there are always going to be cases where people have this encounter and there might not be hard evidence that they're able to present. They might not have photograph or footprints that they found, but that doesn't mean that the story shouldn't be shared. I, I still think that storytelling is just an innate thing that humans should continue to do because more people might have similar stories and might be able to back that up if there was more than one witness. Um, but obviously, evidence evidence is the best thing that you can have. Um, when people report things to me, I will look for inconsistencies, you know, as we've talked about with the Mothman sightings, look for inconsistencies. I look for inconsistencies in, in the weather, in the moon phases, you know, just the little details that they gave because, you know, your memory can fault you. It, it's, it's well known that you can believe something to be completely true, but in fact, that's just a, a memory that you made up yourself. Um, so it's, it's important to kind of fact check, you know, and see if the things that people are reporting do line up to see if their story is even credible to continue to pass on in hopes that other people have similar stories. Okay. So I think uh, that's, a, that's a great way to uh, segue into our next question for Sam. Now, Sam, as the guy that gets the reports, the, the MUFON reports. First of all, I would just love to, I, maybe I'd love to get those reports too, just to see the kind of stuff that gets sent in every day. Um, but maybe I'd just be so uh, jaded by the end of it uh, that, I, that I wouldn't enjoy it. But I still would like to see some of the crazy ones. Maybe I would have an assistant handle the, 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 the boring ones and I'd be like, just send me the ones with nudity. Um, okay, so Sam, any of the reports that came into the Illinois MUFON of the winged humanoids that you think have some credence that you personally checked out? And can you give us a little bit of the process of checking that out? And do you think any of them have some kind of uh, credence? Well, here they are. And uh, of course, uh, none of them, except I shouldn't say that, all but one of them, this is for 2017, there were seven reports that came in. And all but one had... Uh, no contact information or fictitious contact information, fictitious, fictitious, I'm having a hell of a time with words today, fictitious addresses, fictitious emails, or in one instance, return, but which could be fictitious. And um, only one person gave contact information that really we were able to contact. Uh, the phone number was from Texas. The IP address for the email or the um, uh the email was uh, Kansas, welcome to us, and the name is an IT expert who's a scientist and uh, some big shot. 
So, and never returned the texts, never returned the phone calls, never returned the emails. And what do you take from that? Now, at some point, when you have volumes, you had seven reports, you have of the first three, two IP addresses, no contact information or fictitious contact information, conflicting data, on and on and on. How is it? Uh, and we still kept going. This is not the procedure. We still, step, we still kept looking to see if there's any merit to any of this. And this is the problem I have. When we end up with nothing, how is it uh, somebody else feels they have something? Now, stories, on the other hand, you're talking to somebody, these are genuine. Tobias talked to somebody. It was a living human being. That's a genuine uh, story. Now, if that narrative is, is factual or fictitious, we still don't know. That's the other problem. The problem we have here is we have to base everything on an after-the-fact scenario. And therefore, the witness and everything they say in their veracity on not just what they say, it's how they convey that information, how their ability to analyze what they see and put it into some sort of rational uh, terminology that our can could also uh, relate to, not just theirs. You talk to somebody in Guatemala about the uh, uh, flaming canoes that fly through the sky, and they're UFOs, but they call them canoes, okay? It's, everything's a little bit different. And so you have to try to, and this is the importance, again, of storytelling. I'm 100% in back of that. Um, you know, the storytelling and culture and all this stuff comes into play, and you have to sort it out. The human psyche is very, uh, this, this whole People will not realize the significance of this whole flap. From a social psychology point of view, it's beautiful. This is a significant uh, 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 situation as far as what's going on here and what it says about the uh, cyber world we live in today, how we communicate differently, and how we convey our stories and information. And I, I think it's really important. I'm not dissing. I'm enjoying this, actually. But as far as a valid anything, no. Squat. I think that's a really good point, Sam. So so you've, the, the stuff you guys got in a MUFON, uh, you've gotten seven reports in from this year. Only and one. you when you tried to contact the people, they didn't even get back to you. Well, it appears to be real, and but they never contact. The rest of them was all fictitious. Addresses I mean, or phone numbers like one, two, three, four. And uh, I mean, I have everything here. You could have a copy of it. You just can't have their name. Yeah. Wait, my, my phone number is 555-1234. That's for everybody okay. out there. If you guys want to give me a call, it's 555-1234. Now, Allison, going off that we were talking about, you know, Sam just said the importance of stories. Tobias talked to the guy with the sweet T-bird. Uh, Madeline told us about how you know she engages finding inconsistencies moving it now has anybody contacted you now that you've had your face up in so many mothman you know videos have people contacted you and said said holy crap i saw a winged humanoid <laughs> um yes i have a, a two contacts um and a one actually uh actually i i should say three because when i was on midnight in the desert uh someone called in um but i have two people that, that, that I have the definite contact information for that I need to get back to that one, one just, um, so actually they both came in this week. Um, and, uh, what the hell you been doing? 
but but yeah, in the, in the okay. last couple well, of I mean, days, a, I was you know, going to say, like, why do we have a... a little bit of prominence with with the mysterious universe interview article of me? So now a couple of people started to notice, and and so I'm going to get back to them and, and see if I can how did the, if I can interview how'd them. How they come in? Was it like a YouTube comment or was it? I mean, what? Uh, how did no, they come in? I got an email. Uh, from my website, MilwaukeeGhost.com. And uh, this is a person who said he saw a dark figure, but it's unclear if it's the Mothman. And he, he also didn't, he gave me his address, so, and his phone number and his name. So that'll be interesting to track that down. But, you know, I'm not sure if it's the. Now, is his name another character <laughs> from, from a Patrick um, Swayze film? <laughs> so, no, the idea is, is that what they're doing is they're putting Patrick Swayze character names in each of these reports and they're leading us on breadcrumbs, like little breadcrumbs until we find. You know, I'm not <laughs> as much of a pop culture uh, aficionado and expert as you are, Mike. So I'm going to, I'm going to. Uh, forward it to you and then we'll use your I can let expertise you know. but he did sign it but nobody puts baby in the corner and I don't know why <laughs> that's right um I thought he was talking about me uh <laughs> anyway yeah so I'm gonna get back uh, the other the other one came through fe- Facebook messenger someone friended well, and, me and that's and, and that's a good thing right there because number one and I was gonna say even the first person like okay you have an address and stuff okay oh, well yeah. let's go to their Facebook I mean Facebook is a great I mean it's the stalker's best friend mm-hmm. number one I mean Foursquare is the real and Swarm are the real stalker's best friend because you can see where they are right now <laughs> Mike um, creeping me out but the well how else do I get dates <laughs> no but the thing is is that you get the information okay so you have an email address and is the email address is it a work email address is it you know, it's not like boner time at Gmail or whatever. Like there's some real (laughs) email address associated with it. And then there's a phone number. Phone numbers have to belong to human beings. And and that's the trick. So when people are- I don't think Mothman has a phone. No, Mothman don't do cold. (laughs) Mothman don't do phone. Um, (laughs) That's right. Okay, well, let's get straight. But the whole point is that you can talk to these people and then get, and they're willing to stake. And that's the thing. Dalton (laughs) was willing to stake and willing to say- is part of his online persona. You can track his reddits. You can eventually find out who the guy is. Right. And I, and that's, you know, that's, I'll be getting back to you. I mean, if these, if these uh, things check out, uh, then I can go forward. Now, um, let me just break from the format a little bit because Tobias, you know, speaking of things, you know, and when they don't check out, what do you do? Uh, related to what we were talking about, the one of the Auburn Grisham sightings, um, it's a uh, number 21 on the map right now. Uh, and I know Lon has taken four, four of the accounts off the map. One was number 17. That was like flying above the United center. That was the one with the least amount of information. So that was great that that one was removed because it really hard. When I went to the, the video, I hardly had anything to talk about just at a drive by. Uh, but you know, there are a few others removed and we don't know why. Uh, but why hasn't if there if everyone knows, as you said previously, that there is no police report? So so this witness stated that he's a police officer. We have to take that on faith and that he filed a report, but like nobody can find it. Uh, and, you know, everybody who's tried, it's coming up as there is no such report. Why is that still on there? If the witness has not shown the credibility uh, that's necessary, why is that still on the map? Why why wasn't that removed with the other four? 
Well, uh, you know, honestly, the, you make a good point, and, and, and I will tell you from my own perspective, this is a case that I personally have just regarded as, as likely false. Um, I can't speak, you know, I, I can't speak for Lon, obviously, um, so I, I don't know why he hasn't uh, removed it from the, the map. Um, personally, uh, I have it on our timeline still, uh, mostly because... Um, in trying to give an honest representation of what this flap is and 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 what it it consists of, um, even if this is a false report, it has become part of the narrative, and and I think people people need to understand that people need to understand. You know, I mean, for instance, Charles Ford himself. You know, that man loved a hoax as much as he loved, you know, real unexplainable phenomena. Um, and, and, and there's a reason for that. And I think that Sam touched on it and he did a pretty good job doing so, in, you know, in, in saying that there is a, 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 a psychosocial aspect to this. That is, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it deserves to be part of the, the record here, I think, overall. Oh, and I don't disagree with that, but I, you know, I think if you're going to have a Mothman sightings map, you know, instead of removing, uh, removing cases, you know, maybe do some due diligence in, in your research and then add an addendum to the report uh, saying that, you know, you don't know if this one is credible. You know, you can still have it as part of the timeline, of course, and, you know, I don't think it should be removed, but, you know, how are people supposed to tell fact from fiction? Um, I, no, yeah. I, again, that's that's a, a, a good point. Personally, um, what what I'll do is I'll go back to uh, articles, and you know, I, I will update them with new information as, as it comes out. Um, and I, I think that helps our our readers, you know, do exactly what what you're talking about, which is, um, you know, discern between cases that have real merit and and sightings that uh, have absolutely no verification whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, again, that's, that's what I personally do. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for anything happening with the, the, you know, the Mothman map, but yeah, as far as our, our timeline is concerned, I like to go back and, and, and update articles with new, um, information as it becomes available. And like I said, sort of point our readers, um, in the right direction, as far as telling truth from fiction, at least as well as we know it. Well, you know, I think you're making a good point here, Tobias, and I know that you personally have a very principled approach in how you, because you, you want these things to be real. And these things aren't, the more people lie and the more people make up narratives or the more people that are hoaxing just for fun, you know, everybody from the same computer address, like, hey, it's Friday night, I'm going to send out some Mothman reports. Um, you know, the more people do stuff like that, it just, it breaks our heart that there isn't actually a winged humanoid over Chicago. I'm dying here that it's, but that, you know, we don't have proof of it. But I think the thing is also what kind of poisons the soup. I, that's not even a thing. Nobody poisons, I guess people do poison soup. <laughs> Chloe poisons we'll soup. We'll make it a thing, Mike. Right. It, it was like when I learned that Chloe from the uh, Myrtle's plantation, that ghost that just appeared in that photograph wasn't even real. It, it broke my heart. Like she wasn't even a real person. That when people are trying to sell a narrative, that means they're trying to make money on it. That poisons, I guess that poisons the soup when there's a book out. And it's like, well, it's like the Amityville hoax. Like they're going to keep talking that the Amityville horror is real 40 years later because they're still trying to get residuals on a book. And, um, 
And I think that we want people to look at, like, like you said, you want to tell the truth because you want eventually the truth to be winged humanoids. We want the truth. You know, we'd love it to be, you, you want to believe, but you can't if there's too much, um, if, if there's money to be made from a narrative being sold, that's, it just starts to get dangerous and it, you start to bend the truth. Cause you're like, well, I'd like this story to be true. And I'm kind of going to ignore certain facts on it because people are buying a book or people are seeing my movie. And I think we see that all the time in the paranormal field. And that's the thing we're trying to avoid. I think about people we've had on the podcast. If you think that I haven't talked to some people who I think are not completely bonkers that you're just like, Oh my God. Um, how do I get myself into this conversation and how can I, do I have time to have, find another topic before the deadline? Um, but that's it. But you do your best to let them speak to tail and that's all. So, you know, I think uh, as we, as we wind down here, how do we qualify what is evidence in the paranormal field? And I think this is, this is something that everybody can address because everybody has a different standard. You know, when Lon was on the show and he talked about remote viewers, that he had a team of remote viewers looking into this. That's something to me does not qualify as evidence because um, I, I watched the men who stare at goats and I know what the, what the science showed on remote. Plus I've listened to that. Who's the guy that is on coast to coast and he's the most boring. Oh, come on. Is that Ed, 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 Dames. Dames. Ed Dames? Ed Dames. I mean, he might have some cool stories, but man, he takes a while to get to him. And so let's go around the table and to everybody. What would qualify to you as a piece of paranormal evidence, even if it's just something that you can't explain, but it's like, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes said, in the absence of, and I know I'm paraphrasing this horribly, in the absence of when you go through all the possibilities and all that's left is the impossible, well, that there you go. What to, what qualifies as evidence to you, Tobias, and then we'll go to Madeline and Sam. Um, well, uh, you know, my, my personal philosophy uh, when dealing with an eyewitness is to operate under the assumption uh, as though everything they're saying is true until I have hard evidence to the, the contrary. Um, so I think we can all agree that um, there are levels of, of verification, uh, verification of, of uh, details to any story that, that need to be done, um, you know, in, in, in order to um, attribute any, any sort of truth value to it. Um, you know, sort of beyond that. You know, obviously, anytime there's any kind of physical evidence, um, you know, I, I, I love a good, you know, uh, 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 visual uh, uh, radar confirmation UFO case, you know, like you, you have some military pilots in the air, somebody's tracking the object also on, on, on radar from the ground. Um, you know, like it's, it's hard to argue with, with stuff like that. Um, you know, there, there, there's a certain scientific, um, uh, uh, um, you know, level uh that needs to be maintained, you know, in, in, in order to sort of have um, something that is inarguable. Uh, beyond that, just for something to be interesting, as far as evidence is, is concerned, I need an eyewitness that I think is honest, honestly. Like, really, that's, that's, that's enough for it to be interesting. Obviously, you know, to be proven, you need a, a whole heck of a lot more than that. So, Okay. Madeline, what's your uh, standard of, what do you think qualifies as paranormal evidence? Well, I agree a lot with you said, uh, Tobias, but um, the thing about evidence is, you know, a lot of these paranormal things, are they really happening objectively or is it something that's more so happening to the experiencer? And so I agree. I think that, you know, the first step is really having a credible witness, somebody that you believe is being honest, somebody that hasn't been under the influence. Um, 
or that has any sort of, you know, um, mental health conditions or something that could, you know, uh, subject their credibility. Um, with the Mothman, though, we're in Chicago. There's a million cameras everywhere. Don't I, I just that still blows my mind. Has anybody have any of you guys tried to get any of the surveillance cameras that are plastered around on the millions of buildings that the Mothman has supposedly flown past? Oh, that's a that's a good. I didn't even think about surveillance cameras, Madeline. Good one. All right, I'm done here, you guys. <laughs> I would say I would say drop your mic, but you just like drop your. No, headphones. I mean honestly, that that is something that has come up quite a bit. <laughs> I mean that that is a very 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 common question, um, actually, because yeah, no, it's true. It's it's a city under constant you know surveillance. Um, as far as that is concerned, you know, have I personally tried? No, um, and I I don't know any investigator, you know, so far that, that has, I wouldn't even know where to start trying to get, you know, private surveillance information from like a, a, a corporation or something that has a, a camera on their building. They're not going to give that to anybody. Um, and I don't know if there are police surveillance cameras, if maybe like a FOIA request would do it, but it, it's not anything that, that, that I've ever heard of, of, of anyone doing successfully. I think maybe this is a good group to try. Maybe we could all Try to do that. <laughs> and this is how we can start. Now, now, Sam, number one, what qualifies as paranormal evidence to you? And as somebody who's probably dealt with, you know, thousands of different reports of UFO sightings, uh, how would you go about getting a surveillance camera? Well, first of all, FOIAs only go for government buildings that are going to comply. Uh, uh, when it comes to a private uh, sector building, and sometimes the, the cameras and whatever are actually owned by private uh, corporations, so you're not going to really get anywhere. You really need to get behind you need a back door to pretty much everything and as far as trying to get the um, police reports if there was not i wasn't even concerned about re getting the reports i was actually concerned about any um any uh talk at the uh ashburn um uh, gresham district so uh my people that were the the person the main person involved in that trying to retrieve that information would have easily been able to get it because he he spent 10 years in that district and still has a very good uh, rapport um so that what didn't even exist there wasn't even any chatter wasn't anything so it was dead uh and so that just didn't hold up anything but it didn't make sense as far as for for perpetuating the story you know the mythos has to keep going on so here now and when you're doing a report i'd like to give you a real quick example of like how we worked on certain really good uh cases really good cases like the ufo uh, the case uh, uap over at o'hare we first of all work in conjunction with a bunch of people and a bunch of but first of all uap is the unidentified aerial correct. phenomenon that correct. is the preferred uh, okay. term uh, today by, well, a lot of people use it. Uh, and in uh, aviation, we had NAR, uh, uh, the National Aviation Reporting Center for Anomalous Phenomena, which, is, uh, which was headed up by um, Richard Haynes. And that report was not a MUFON report. In fact, I worked on a lot of other cases. The best cases weren't MUFON cases. They were, uh, they were actually from uh, uh, Peter Davenport's National UFO Reporting Center. He had something, and he's a guy that rarely gets any credit. The man does a great job. Anyways, the key person there, the, the point person, was Richard Haynes. And we had different people with different um, 
expertise and abilities working collectively. And we shared data. And that's what we do. And I share data all the time. It's a regular, a regular thing. It's not an issue. And I, I share witnesses. Heck, Ellison, the only witness I had from this whole ordeal was Billy. And Bill contacted both me and yep. Lon. It, so it wasn't he wasn't his witness. Right. And he accused me of uh, what was it intimidating him? I'm about as yeah. intimidating. Only thing I can intimidate is is a pizza or a wicker chair. I mean, that's about it. You know, I get beat up by butterflies. So, I mean, that's just crazy. You know, so it, 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 when I when he heard that, when Billy heard that, he was roaring, you know. But um, he was the only person who, uh, you were saying, a credible witness out of the MUFON reports? None. That wasn't a MUFON report. He contacted me individually through an email. So he had him uh, uh, on the show. I talked to him, too. Now, evidence. When you're talking here, we're going after the fact. We want something repeatable and testable. Well, how would we do that in these instances when these are just after-the-fact anecdotal accounts? What you look for, then, is corroboration from other independent witnesses. And independent is very important because it gives a separate perspective. Let's say you're seeing the same event, and this is the privilege and the benefit of a mass sighting, Tinley Park, where we had tons of evidence because we have video data. We have tons of that. There was physical effect to radars and other things. And this wasn't just localized in one area. It was around the world in multiple countries over a period of time. And so we had people saying the same thing, same time. We had footage that we were able to, to get a three-dimensional analysis on, and we had multiple groups of people evaluating it. And uh, when I worked as a consultant, as you know, as a cons- I am a consultant for Hollywood uh, and when they're hiring me on different things, but UFO hunters, uh, when I was a consultant on there, uh, we had their group evaluate the footage, which was fantastic. I mean, we had all this stuff put together. And so the thing is you have to have something testable in the first place. But the other thing is at least, at the very least, a corroborating witness. And that means somebody you could talk to face-to-face who can who could stand witness to their testimony. Yes, I saw this. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't see it incorrectly, as Tobias was saying, Cranes! Oh my God! I saw a crane going up to the uh, up to the conference up there in Milwaukee. I saw a sandhill crane, which I really liked, by the way. And you get the right angle on them—that's a pterodactyl. I don't care what anybody says; they're huge. <laughs> and I had somebody tell me before I saw one eat a baby. <laughs> I mean, these things are just huge. <laughs> so I hear this stuff all the time that oh, it can't be this, can't be that. You be—it's amazing, but it doesn't mean. The person's lying, and it is a genuine report. We first have to have a genuine report. That involves a real person, eye-to-eye, telling their story, their event. And, and that's what we don't get in this cyber flap scenario. Or this is the other problem, that it's only being contained by a few people that control that data. That isn't the case. If there's a case you need to look into uh, here in Illinois, and I have access to that information, if that witness will allow you to talk to them, I'll be doggone if I'll, I won't stand in the way. You can talk to them. I give a damn. I want, I want the information out. Maybe you'll get <laughs> something out of this person that I can't. And that, that's something we do. And you would torture them. You and that <laughs> zucchini smacking them in the head. I know it. Yeah, That's, that's right. 
No, I use the phone book. You put the phone, right, because, right, doesn't bruise. No, the thing is, though, is that we all have levels of evidence, and, and this is what we're looking for uh, in 2018. When we approach a, a phenomenon, when we approach something uh, that we don't understand and that we're trying to understand, um, finding those layers that give it believability to our, ourselves and and how we present that, because we are the disseminators of information as podcast creators, as bloggers, as the, the guy that goes and investigates the different things through through, through MUFON and, and is one of the places that collects the information. We're the ones disseminating it to the rest of the weirdos like us. And we want to present it in the way that we're like, hey, man, I believe this. You should believe it too. And if we can't get to that level of presentable evidence ourselves, um, then what are we just trying to sell something here? Or are we just trying to get attention here? Uh, you know, I found this over and over again when when heroes get destroyed. When Don Schmidt in the in the Roswell slides comes out, it's like these Roswell slides are ace. And I like Don. I think he's a great guy. And he broke my heart, Fredo. Fredo, you broke my heart. But I mean, that's and that's the thing. And you see that, and you're like, this is obviously all BS. So, um, in 2018, what are you guys hoping for in paranormal research? Or, or you know, what can we end in, in a, as a positive New Year thing? Uh, it doesn't have to actually; it can be negative too. This is, but what do you guys hope for in your 2018 when it comes to paranormal research? Allison, let's start with you, and then Tobias, Madeline, and Sam. Well, uh, I just want a, a mystery that becomes more compelling as you look closer. The closer you get, the weirder it gets, because. I know that there are things out there that are unexplainable. And if we waste our time dealing with hoaxers and, you know, not doing the basics of research and, you know, get distracted by, you know, people who are, who are telling us untruths and, you know, treat that the same as as something that that has multiple witnesses or, or something that has people that will come forward and and tell their story publicly. I, I, I mean, you're you're really muddying the water and you're distracting us from cases that are really compelling. I want to go forward in 2018 and have paranormal investigators like me research real mysteries and leave hoaxers behind. That's what I'd like to see. All right. I like that. Uh, Tobias, what do you see in 2018 uh, for the singular 40 and what's your dream, baby? Well, you know, honestly, I would love to see a change in culture, frankly. Um, you know, I'd like to see the 40 and field move uh, moving in what I think is the right direction. I'd like to see people, you know, putting uh, ego aside, um, you know, valuing truth over celebrity, frankly. Um, I'd like to see just in, in, in a, a larger cultural context, I'd like to see some of the, the stigma removed. You know, like if you talk to me just normally, if we're talking about the bears or something, you don't know what a weirdo I am. I, I do you if know? you like, like the bears. Nobody would. <laughs> <laughs> do, do. Yeah. Uh, that aside, uh, yeah, you know, like uh, we're most experiencers that, that I have met are just normal people who have experienced the impossible and they don't know how to talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it. And it's the reason that there's so much obfuscation surrounding these events. And it, it, it has to end. So if I could have one thing, that would be it. 
Okay, thanks, Tobias. Madeline, New Year's uh, dreams for you and measuring this. First of all, what does measuring the circle mean? Measuring the circle is a Charles Fort quote Mm. that basically no matter where you start on a circle, you can measure the entire thing, which is very related to paranormal research. No matter where you start, whether it's with Mothman, ghosts, Bigfoot, you know, the placebo effect, there's a million different things that all touch the circle and they're all really connected. So that, that's what my podcast is, is all about is, you know, talking about all different types of strange things, not just ghost stories or UFOs or anything in particular. Um, and, and my resolution for 2018 would be to end clickbait articles. I think that we live in an area, in a time where everybody just reads the headline and shares it and things spread so rapidly. And as researchers, I think that we really need to slow down and fully vet and research, um, subjects and phenomenon before we share it with our audience. Um, to make sure that it's, you know, truthful. And and like, you know, you guys have said, it's really important that we're after the truth of these um, phenomenon and not for some personal gain or personal agenda. Um, as selfless and unbiased as we can possibly be in the reports, the the weird stuff that's out there is weird enough. We don't need to be creating new things or trying to fluff the details because, there's some weird stuff going on out there. So that would be my 2018 um, hope for paranormal researchers. Um, if you really, you know, call yourself a researcher, if you're really interested in these things, to to read the articles thoroughly that you're sharing and um, make sure, you know, that they're coming from credible sources. And I'll tell you why. It, it connects back to something we talked about earlier this year. We talked about Amelia Earhart uh, for a long time. Um, Longer than I ever thought I'd talk about Amelia Earhart. But the thing is, is that as soon as the thing came out, Amelia Earhart was on this island. Then everybody jumps on it. Look, Amelia Earhart's on this island. Then somebody comes out and says Amelia Earhart was not on this island. This whole thing's made up. Then they come out immediately. It's a race to the clicks. You know, it's a it's a race for the eyeballs, and that's not a race for the truth. Well, and something else that I'd like to, to say, you know, um, to go along with that is – like with the Mothman sightings, there has been so much talk about it. There's been so many people now that know about it. The idea of tulpas is very real. And if we have enough people that are just going on and they believe that there's this Mothman, even though there may be or there may not be, we're still not entirely sure. But if enough people are believing in a phenomenon, it's been observed and proven that you can actually manifest something through the power of belief. So I'm a little worried, you know, with with these many people knowing about the Mothman, maybe, you know, it could be creating some of the sightings that people are witnessing. Well, what I'm thinking is that if we put the idea of the Hawkman from Flash Gordon in everybody's head, then it's going to be Brian Blessed coming down and going, ha, 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 Gordon. (laughs) Anyway, that's what we can all, that's what we can all hope for. Now, Sam, what are you hoping for in 2018 for your resume? Oh, boy. Uh, my new, oh, forget it. I don't know. It's just too crazy. I, I, I think, you know, we've come to this point where you said culture and I think of mononclature. Are we having, are we have monculture uh, mon going on where people are, want to be subdivided and put into subsections instead of just realizing, Hey, this cross is over. Uh, the Fordian concept is so huge. And, you know, I was reintroduced to it this year thanks to this whole scenario with the mothman uh and speaking out in maryland and 
just be, you know, something that I, I found a really good presentation by um, Jerome Clark, who I have a lot of uh, uh, regards to uh, for. I, I think he's a great writer. He's a, he's a strong uh, critic, but he, he's really trying to uh, make uh, uh, make this feel credible and, and the field in, in a larger sense. And the thing is, because something's inexplicable doesn't mean that it didn't happen or it has no value from a cultural sense and potentially a scientific value. And this is where we do have to approach this. And the thing is to be far more, um, far nicer to each other. I mean, bottom line is we're just freaking human, you know? Oh, right. And, uh, I mean, what the heck that I think, well, I, and I think those are all wonderful resolutions, and I all hope that comes uh, to. I hope Paranormal Santa, uh, even though he's probably a tulpa, I hope Paranormal Santa brings you guys exactly what you wanted uh, in your paranormal research. As for me, um, I uh, I kind of just want to you know like world peace, children you know hugging each other and stuff like that, and like ten million dollars I could use in two thousand and eighteen. So uh, once again, everybody, tell us your websites and where people can find more about you. Allison, where can they find you? MilwaukeeGhost.com. And if you'd like to see my work on the, the Chicago Moss, Mossman uh, controversy, you can go to YouTube.com slash Mothman. Tobias, where can we find more you? Well, I am with the Singular Fortean Society, and you can find us at singularfortean.com. Madeline, where can we find more about Measuring the Circle? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Measuring the Circle, you can find on YouTube. Um, you can just search Measuring the Circle. We also have a website, Measuring the Circle. Dot wordpress.com because I'm too cheap to buy a domain. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. And, and Sam, where can we find your website? And you're probably going to have a bunch of stuff on your site uh, refuting the claims made about you in the Mothman Dynasty. Where, where are we able to find that information? Well, we're going to actually, we actually have a new uh, domain for that. And it's the, uh, it isn't up yet. It'll be the um, uh, uh, Chi Town Flap, is what it is, dot com. I have that. And I just want to talk, and, and it's not going to be dissing people, just laying out the information that we stumbled across, and hopefully people can share other information. The um, But my, uh, you know, if someone wants to contact me, it's MufonSam1 at Gmail, MufonSam1 at Gmail. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, Illinois MUFON is MyMufon.com. And, boy, i got to update the site. It's prehistoric right now. But, um, you know, you contact me. It's on GeoCities, yeah, isn't it? Hell it's at. It's somewhere. It's... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you very much, guys, for spending your Sunday afternoon with us. It is the last day of 2017, and you guys made it a great last day of 2017 for me. So well, thanks pleasure. for joining us. Happy New Year. Happy New Year's. Thank you, guys. And happy New Year's. Happy New Year. All right. I think it's the book is closing quickly on this one. I mean, I'd be happy if it maybe we'll see something this weekend and we can reopen the, the case. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if we actually did see Mothman when we were in Chicago? I'd love to have it explode. I'd love to have the Mothman be real and stuff. I'd love to have these sightings be real. But, you know, just going over the evidence, we feel like there's a lot of uh, Internet hoaxes and there's a few people willing to associate their names with it, but not enough. So in 2018, we're hoping for bona fide cases of the real mothman yeah and we're we're hoping to start it with it uh this weekend 
And if you've got something, send it our way because we'd love to see evidence. Yes. And make sure to check out the sites of everybody in the show notes because the people that were with us today have done a lot of research gone to the locations, spent a lot of time thinking about this, working on it. Anyway, a lot of fun. So thank you everybody for joining us. But now let's get to some music. Yeah. The song for this week's inspired by um, not only our conversation about the Mothman and uh, what we think should be the standards for research as part of it, but also the chorus is inspired by Carl Sagan's book, Demon Haunted World. Science Ooh. as a Candle in the Dark. So it kind of, the chorus is, takes a little bit, of, is, is Sagan-ish is influenced by Carl Sagan. And the rest of it is, uh, well, uh, me giving it my go for a little bit of M&M action here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's not leave him waiting any longer, Mike. All right. So here is House of Cards. You're just a quack talking, a lot of smack setting, the whole feel back A lot of tall tales coming, piling up to nothing Looking for the clicks and acting like a dick It's a curiosity, all this privacy, anonymity Who can you believe? You can tell me all day about the trash you heard Doesn't matter how absurd, unless you stand by your word All this animosity comes down to money You must ripping all the data just to fit your theory You want to sell books or you want some truth? It sure looks to me that you ain't much of a sleuth Like a goof, we need a real witness, not all anonymous about some testimony. Don't sound like baloney. Guilty needs to be there, you know they're gonna nip it. Eaten by the cynics, defeated by the skeptics. These need to be crossed. She can't just gloss over all the small stuff of things that gonna get rough. Gotta share the data if it wants to be free. Transparency, no secrecy. It takes all kinds of different minds. If we want it to be better, we gotta work together. For listening to today's episode, you can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. And a very happy new year to all of our Patreon supporters. They're the best. Special shout out to our friend Ned. Dr. Ned, happy new year, man. Thank you so much for uh, pledging our community and joining it and for being a darn fun bunch of people wouldn't you say that's right i would i really enjoy the patreon hangouts we do every month where we talk about paranormal movies the cool stories we saw each week um 
last time I showed everybody my pictures from uh, the ghost hunt inside the uh, museum. That was uh, cool. Sorry, yeah, the, the Met Metropolitan Museum in New York City, and that was fun. Yeah. And um, we were just going over our you know paranormal stuff and hanging out on a Wednesday night and drinking wine and beers and uh, having fun. And so we would like to do that with you guys. Yeah. So, Patreon community is a great place uh, where you can talk to like-minded people, hang out with us, and also you're supporting paranormal research, jokes, songs, videos, all this kind of stuff, and the fun things that we do on See Another Side. And Wendy, where can the fine people do that? They can do that at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Oh, Roadhouse. <laughs>